the audience for the book, in most cases, they don't like those changes, even if the changes are good, because they're like uh, little children that have gotten used to their bologna sandwich for lunch every day, and then uh, their mother gives them a roast beef sandwich, and they say, what's this stuff? This stuff stinks. I want bologna. And you say, hey, kid. to lose but your mind. Horror anthologies knit together several short stories providing thrill after terrifying thrill. The quick tempo and rapid-fire delivery have made them perennial favorites for decades on end. Each short story is carefully written to quickly involve the viewer only to let the blade drop for a sudden ending. This 1972 chiller, the original Tales of the Crypt anthology, is based on five stories from the notorious EC horror comics of the 1950s. I think that I was so badly frightened as a child that I decided you can't lick him and join him. Each maddening segment delivers a heart-stopping shock line. You were mean and cruel right from the start. Now you really have no... In this sequence of events, we learn that perhaps you should not wish for all you desire to come true, because it just might happen. Please, I wish Ralph were alive now. I don't want him to die ever. I want him moving, breathing, talking, alive, now, forever. What happened? What have you done? I wish him alive again forever. But don't you realize he's been embalmed? His brains are filled with embalming fluid burning into him. just the right time, again and again and again. Robert Block, author of Psycho, adapts four of his own stories for the Asylum Anthology. Each of the stories are told by mental patients who explain what it is that drove them over the brink of sanity. After all, the loss of sanity is horror's greatest gift. 
It's a wonderful way of dealing with one's fears, and it's, it's a catharsis for the writer. I think most of the writers I know are more or less timid as children. Can't you see? This is my son. You son? He is the one I was working for, planning for. The book told me what to do. That's why I had to make the suit. No, that's the money. What is it about horror that's so appealing to an audience? I think the fact that an audience is safe. The audience can always get up and leave the theater or turn to another dial on the radio or close the book. In a 1971 film, four more Robert Block stories recount the horrors occurring to those who dared to spend the night in the house that dripped blood. It's stuffy in here. Let's go. She's beautiful. She's almost alive. She's lovely. Goodbye, Philip. Thanks for being such a marvelous host. Not at all. It was my pleasure. I'm only sorry you can't stay. No, I'd better fly back. I'm late now. Sure I can't give you a lift into town? No, thanks. I'm, I'm not going in today. I'll be off then. Bye. Cheerio. Take care of yourself. Thanks for everything. Ciao.
Well, hello, Neville. Anything wrong? I'm still at the village. I'm staying at the hotel. The Queen's Head? I know it sounds absurd, Philip, but... I can't leave here. I've got to go back to that place. Don't go there. You stay where you are. I'll be right over. came and admired her, like your friend and you. But you shall never have her, none of you. She is beautiful, isn't she? My Salome. Here are a trio of films dealing with pets of horror. They hold their own against the monsters and fantasy creatures so common in today's films. You come in here and you go in there. And you go to rotten. A rotten and rotten. You think I don't know? This man's best friend is his crocodile, who proves to be most companionable 
at dinner time. <laughs> oh, crack eat anything. Here, a boy and his rats are perfect allies in mischief and revenge. First, you stole the business from my father. And second, it killed my mother. And third, you're trying to ruin me. You never left me alone for a minute. You made a fool out of me in front of everybody. And now you're trying to steal my house. Oh, no, no. I heard you! 
That's why you tried to fire me. You killed my friend. I killed who? How did Socrates feel when you come with me? How did Socrates feel? Well, who the hell is Socrates? Socrates was the best friend I ever had. I don't! <laughs> In this scene, directed by Dario Argento, a man will die in the privacy of his home. Argento keeps the camera on a pet chimpanzee's face to mix together helplessness, terror, and violence. yourself, ah, you silly girl. Come forget me. This damn machine. What on earth is going on around here? Who's that? Is there someone there? time you see things uh, in the process of filmmaking that you wish that you had done and you say to yourself uh, I wish that I'd had that idea when that happens I always feel stupid you know because I say but that's so simple why didn't I think of that director Frank Darabont took a Stephen King short story and adapted it to film with some additions of his own it turned out to be a King favorite 
Then we will look at the film imagery that brings to life Clive Barker's tale, The Hellbound Heart. What seems like autobiography is just the writer's attempt to understand what an experience meant. You know, when I said earlier that I had written The Shining to try and understand these aggressive impulses that Father Knows Best had never prepared me for, the same thing is true about the death of my mother. You know, to write that story was an effort to understand what that meant. And you just happened to make a story out of it. John is a bright young attorney destined to commit the perfect murder. He is about to learn from a convicted criminal that the murder will be perfect in every way, for it's the secret desire of the woman in the room. Want me to leave the cup, Sonny? Turn him loose. All right. circuited his pain. Short-circuited just about everything else with it. That's what they did to my mother. Too bad. She, she can't walk anymore. She says she still has pain. Never go through that again. Not worth it. What happened? Killed a friend of mine. I, I don't understand. It was that buddy of mine I told you about. When I got his legs blown away. You killed him? Yeah. He was my buddy. And I wasn't about to let him die gangrene like that. After what the doctors did to him. Lying there gaping his mouth open and shot like some kind of fish they dragged out of the water. <laughs> Hell, he saved my life once. I owed him. Jesus. What's the matter, Counselor? You don't look so good. You're good to come as often as you do, Johnny. You're a good son. I brought you some pills from home. Did you? I 
They're good for pain. Are they? Can I chew them? You could try one. All right. Don't let them see.
My mother did die of cancer, and she died very painfully, and it was a very long, drawn-out death, the sort of death that only modern medicine can provide, uh, you know, w with enough, uh, enough cures and enough keep them on their feet to, you know, be the equivalent of the rack and the boot. It's the, the modern-day Inquisition is uh, an attended death uh, after, a, you know, uh, all the obituary says is a long illness, but that doesn't say anything about, you know, the limbo of suffering that goes on during that illness under certain circumstances. But that's what I, what I say when, I mean, you, it's not fair to trust anything that a writer says about himself because that story ends with this guy pouring pills down his mother's throat to kill her, which is something that I never did. I wish in retrospect in some ways that I had, had done that because I think it would have spared her a lot of suffering. Pursuit of the ultimate in pleasure brings the ultimate in pain to the central character in Hellraiser. This film adaptation of British writer and director Clive Barker's compelling novella, The Hellbound Heart, examines the complex emotions of a man who solves the secret of a demonic Rubik's Cube. The Chinese puzzle box represents a method for opening the door to hell. The work of special effects artist Bob Keane and Geoffrey Portaz are integral to the look of the films. Their Cenobite makeup leaves very little to the imagination. They have taken Barker's written word and created walking, breathing images of pain. Clive Barker reads from his short novel, The Hellbound Heart. It struck Frank that he had never once wondered what they would look like. Why then was he so distressed to set eyes upon them? Was it the scars that covered every inch of their bodies, the flesh cosmetically punctured and sliced and infibulated, then dusted down with ash? Was it the smell of vanilla they brought with them, the sweetness of which did little to disguise the stench beneath? Or was it that as the light grew and he scanned them more closely, he saw nothing of joy or even humanity in their maimed faces, only desperation? cube is the key to the passageway beyond. It is also a puzzle of desire. To someone who solves the puzzle, 
the individual will find physical experiences beyond anything that can be found in this world. The sequel to Hellraiser, the Chinese puzzle once again sets off the path for access to another plane of existence. You're sure this is what you want? It's what I've always wanted. I have to see. I have to know. Director Clive Barker reads from The Hellbound Heart. This rending of the veil. In moments they would be here, the ones Kirscher had called the Cenobites, theologians of the order of the gash, summoned from their experiments in the higher reaches of pleasure to bring their ageless heads into a world of ruin and failure.
It is not hands that call us. It is desire.
I'm warped, you know, I am. You don't do this sort of thing if you're, if you're all right. There wasn't anything in my childhood except I did kill a few people, but they never found the bodies, so I think I'm all right. When I was a kid, 12, 13, 14, and just starting out on this, a lot of what I wrote took place in space. It took place in uh, Texas. It took place anywhere but where I was, because where I was was boring. In my imagination, every time I wrote a story, I was running away from home, which is probably why I never did run away from home. Prepare to meet the monsters of the classic modern horror films, monsters that have taken the place of Frankenstein, the werewolf, and Dracula. And then travel to London, England, the site of some of the most spectacular horror films ever made. Monsters of horror. They jump from the screen and scare you. And when you dare to go to sleep, they haunt you in your dreams. Prepare yourself, for you are about to meet the monsters of the classic modern horror films. Monsters that have taken the place of Frankenstein, the werewolf, and Dracula. Director John Carpenter changed the face of modern horror by creating the original Halloween movie, which remains one of the most influential horror films ever made. Carpenter's monster is named Michael Myers. He is much more than just an indestructible killing machine. He is the boogeyman that has been hiding in the closet, underneath the bed, or in the shadows, ever since we were children. And as we all know, the boogeyman is for real. Halloween was basically a three-act, uh, um, kind of like High Noon. The bad guy's coming, and he's coming, and here he is. And uh, Michael Myers in the original Halloween represented uh, ultimate evil, something that's unkillable, something you almost create with your mind, something that's everywhere and nowhere at once. Um, he was, um, he played, he was a voyeur, he played with people's emotions, he was uh, vicious, and he was basically inhuman. He was kind of a an evil that we all fear in our minds. Oh, there's going to be somebody there to get me. Hello? Uh, uh, uh. Hello? All right, Annie. First I get your famous chewing, now I get your famous squealing. Annie! Once Carpenter released Halloween upon millions of innocent viewers, the rules of horror were broken. Horror could never be safe again. And neither could we, for Halloween is relentless in its terror. Actress Jamie Lee Curtis's sense of urgency has struck a horrifying chord deep inside of viewers worldwide as she learns what we have all come to know. 
shape will never die. is not the only contender for the monster of the decade. The Cenobites from Hellraiser rule over a dominion of pleasure and pain, going to the limits of horror and then taking you beyond. They sprang from the disturbing imagination of writer-director Clive Barker, one of the masters of modern horror, in his directing debut. It's about uh, a man who does a deal with forces of darkness uh, in pursuit of the ultimate ex uh, experience, the ultimate physical, sensual experience, um, and gets torn apart for his troubles. I thought I'd gone to the limits. I hadn't. The Cenobites gave me an experience beyond the limits. Pain and pleasure, indivisible. They are ageless experts in uh, the art of refined pleasure and even more refined pain. Have such sights to show you. There are going to be moments when the audience is going to be uh, stunned by the elegance and the beauty of the image at the same time as being appalled by the subject matter. And that's a very interesting tension and paradox. Hellraiser and Hellbound are two of the most unusual horror movies ever made, introducing audiences to a whole new mythology of the grotesque. Oh, Kirsty, so eager to play, so reluctant to admit it. I've come for my father! <laughs> the Cenobites are nightmarish creatures in pursuit of the film's anti-hero, Frank Cotton. They travel from the depths of hell and into the real world they find his niece, Kirsty, who wants only to find her father, but instead finds herself headed into hell. Ah, oh, Kirsty. We thought we'd lost you. So sweet of you to come back. How can it send us back, child? We're already here. And so are you. Don't be naughty, Kirsty. Or I'll have to punish you first. Perhaps you'd like that. Now all we need is skin. There is only one Freddy Krueger. The scarred prince of hysterical terror was nightmarishly created by director Wes Craven in the original A Nightmare on Elm Street. Craven created a chilling premise. Don't go to sleep because your dreams can kill you. Actor Robert Englund is the man behind the elaborate burn makeup with the razor-tipped glove whose maniacal laughter and bizarre sense of humor has helped to make Freddy one of the most popular monsters to ever haunt an audience. Freddy Krueger lives in the nightmares of the Elm Street children, 
whose parents originally burned Freddy for unspeakable crimes. Only now, when the children sleep, Freddy returns. If not to the real world, then at least to their dreams, where Freddy continues to attempt a nightmarish punishment for the children of the parents who burned him alive. Uh, the Freddy phenomenon is, is phenomenal. I mean, certainly as the creator of Freddy, I never uh, suspected that he uh, would become such a, a, a cultural figure. This is just a dream. He isn't real. He isn't real. I always see horror films as, as in a sense, being um, sort of boot camps. London, England has seen some of the most spectacular horror films in modern history. An American werewolf in London is based upon the story of two young men from New York who were attacked by a werewolf. One dies immediately. The other suffers the tortures of becoming a werewolf himself. Special effects artist Rick Baker won an Oscar award for this stunning werewolf transformation.
Once the transformation has been completed, the werewolf heads into town, causing spectacular chaos. are not the only problem London has had to face. In the movie Waxwork, a group of friends attend a private midnight showing at London's newest wax museum. Each exhibit displays a monster from the past. Here, we meet the mummy, a 3,700-year-old priest, buried alive for stealing a sacred scroll. Things, however, are not as they seem in the wax museum, and the display objects come to life with terrifying consequences. desecrate the tomb of Raoul will be condemned to a painful death at the hands of Life Force, directed by Texas Chainsaw creator Toby Hooper. Space vampires leap from the tail of Haley's Comet, 
only to arrive in London. Once the leader finds a mate, they begin to display their nightmarish powers, which cause a plague that engulfs all of England and threatens the world. in London. Where in London? I can't say we're pleased to meet you, Mr. Kessler. What shall I do? Suicide. You must take your own life. That's easy for you to say. You're, you're already dead. I would say that that, that, that evil itself is, a, is an anti-creative impulse. It's something uh, that tends toward obsession, and obsession is merely repetition the same act over and over and over again. There's a character in the stand that thinks of uh, the devil's creation, a guy named Randall Flagg, who is sort of an embodiment of evil. There's something like a neon sign that's very pretty to look at at night, and you realize that it's repeating the same pattern over and over and over again. Actress Linnea Quigley knows what it takes to become a Hollywood scream queen. While some doctors save lives, these doctors go mad trying to create it. Babs, how about a cocktail?
Linnea Quigley, the sexy blonde screen queen, has caused more than a passing glance in horror films, with titles such as Creepazoids, I Was a Teenage Sex Mutant, Sorority Babes in the Slime Bowlerama, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, and Sex Bomb. In Night of the Demons, Linnea stars as an innocent teenager whose body is taken over by a violent demon. <laughs> you think you've got enough stuff? Come on, we don't want to be late to our own party. Come on, your face looks fine. I've never seen anybody spend more time in a mirror. Relax, I just want to look good for the boys. You did remember to invite some cute boys to the party, I hope. Of course I did. Oh, Return of the Living Dead, you know, I had to dance on top of a tombstone nude and, and then, you know, get eaten by the zombies. I was pretty crazy. And then come back to life and eat some other people. In Silent Night, Deadly Night, I had to fight with Santa Claus and then be impaled on antlers. In Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, I got to take some revenge and took chainsaws into Gunnar Hansen and and, and Michelle and chopped them up good. And uh, in um, Witch Trap, I got the shower head through my throat. I don't believe this. scenes are always uncomfortable. I feel okay if I'm just, you know, if, if you're by yourself and it makes sense in the script or something, where is like a love scene or something is always like, I tend to stay away from it because I'm not very comfortable with it. And I wouldn't do an X-rated scene. Run, Judy! Run, Judy, run! <laughs> Judy, run! <laughs> we would always watch the creature feature at midnight in Iowa and, you know, stay up and watch it and then be scared. And I love the movies like uh, Murder in the Rue Morgue and and Wax Museum, and I just, I loved watching. I'd be scared and everything afterward. But I think liking those type of movies and loving, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know, it was like, you know, I wanted to do it too. I've done a lot of silly love scenes, but the, 
the ones where you're really like in body heat or something, that would be kind of frightening. In the motion picture, Blood Nasty, Linnea stars as a master of witchcraft who is brought in to help a family with a most unusual problem. And a shovel. And a grave. The son of the family has the problem which Linnea must cure. It appears that he has a pipe lodged through his body. And if that wasn't enough of a problem, he also is dead. Catch you later, please. left to turn, I think you scream probably to release that horrible energy that's in you that can't stay in you any longer, so it just goes out. Probably, a, you know, one that is like, you know, pure horror would go like this. That's a pure horror scream. There's other ones where, you know, you're just like, like if your boyfriend got his head cut off and you just walk in, you'd probably be like this. That's another one. Indeed, I'm shocked. Shocked to find so much distrust from one so young. Don't matter to Linnea me. Linnea has worked with director David DeCocteau on several films and is now beginning to produce some of his films herself. Seen here in Sorority Babes in the Slime Bowl-O-Rama, Linnea plays Spider a tough, no-nonsense burglar caught in a bowling alley with a group of sorority pledges. Well, then do it. Uh-oh, where's Miss Lumpy Face? <laughs> Maybe you better give me that lighter back. I can handle it, see? Yeah, there. Come to play? Bet you don't have much fun as Lisa did. Calvin, the bottle. I'll get it. Come on, honey. Just you and me. 
Half as much as I will in a second. Oh, yeah? Stench, huh? <clears throat> it's too bad we had to kill her. What? I really like the outfit she had on. Soon after Dr. Frankenstein found the secret to creating life, other doctors began attempting to duplicate his feet. Sadly, they were almost always doomed to failure. But that never stopped them as they shocked, probed, and operated on their dead and sometimes living victims. Prepare yourself, for you are about to enter the insane world of the mad doctor. What is it that drives these men to such terrifying heights of insanity? Why do they continue in the face of such overwhelming odds? Is it simply a desire to conquer the unknown? Or are these doctors walking to the beat of a different drum? In the twisted, low-budget story of Dr. Gore, a mad doctor dismembers a number of young women in an attempt to bring his dead wife back to life as the perfect woman. In case you're curious, the doctor finally does succeed, only to discover that his beautiful creation wants every man she meets, including the doctor's hunchbacked assistant. Extracted will later be re-administered at the end of the operation. <gasps> Dr. Butcher, MD, which stands for Medical Deviant, no! is an extremely no! horrific film located on a remote island in the Pacific. Please, Doc, I beg you. The good doctor no! of this film performs brain transplants. Don't do 
while hungry cannibals run wild in the jungle. No! 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 Patient's scream, disturbing me, performed removal of vocal cords. I will now administer a second injection to maintain patient's consciousness. to traverse a new frontier in science. I'm about to transplant the brain of a young female into the body of a male who's been dead for 10 days. And as for you, I guarantee that you also shall live like the other beings I have already created. Abominable Dr. Fives was once a great surgeon and a famed organ player. But after a terrible car accident, his wife died on an operating table. Fives survived and reconstructed what remained of his face. He then set out using diabolical means to murder the entire team of surgeons who had failed his wife in her hour of need.
I can remember clearly, even though it happened three years ago, being in a, in a McDonald's and seeing a guy reach across a table and slap one of his children very, very hard. And uh, that memory stays with me because I saw something in his face when he did it. Uh, that sort of overlaid his face. It wasn't him anymore, exactly, that did it. And then it was gone, and the kid was crying, and he was sorry that he'd done it. But, of course, he hadn't done it, in a sense. Whatever it was that had done it was gone. He relies on tension rather than special effects. Filmmaker Kevin Tenney discusses how to unnerve you. What happens when you depend upon people whom you shouldn't depend on? Linda, I'm trying to help you. Find and stop moving. Director Kevin Tenney explains the enduring popularity of horror films. Oh, same way you account for the popularity of roller coaster rides. I mean, it's 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 great because you get that adrenaline surge, you get all that excitement of being scared. Uh, without being in any danger. It's the same reason these guys go out and play war games on the weekend. It's fun to run around and shoot a gun as long as no one's really going to blow your head off. You know, I mean, all of that is fun up until the point where it actually becomes dangerous. I would say probably The Omen is one of my, is my probably favorite as far as supernatural goes. And then Alien would be my favorite as far as science fiction. And Jaws would be my favorite as far as just based in reality. And then I'm a big fan of Hitchcock, the thriller more than horror uh, genre. With Witchboard, I thought I had a really interesting idea that I hadn't seen done before. Um, I'd seen films like The Exorcist, where they have a sequence with someone using a Ouija board, or they mention a Ouija board, but I'd never seen a film that actually centered on what would happen with a Ouija board if you got involved with it. And so um, I thought, well, that might be interesting. So I started researching on Ouija boards and what they could and couldn't do and found that there was like a wealth of uh, stuff that could be made into three or four movies. Careful, Jim, you're upsetting David. No, I remember, uh, hearing John Carpenter say once that when he came up with the idea for Halloween he couldn't believe no one else had thought of that already and that happened with Witchboard as soon as I came up with the idea from the moment I wrote the first draft of the script till it finally got made was like a three or four year period and I just lived in dread I said if I thought of this somebody else is gonna think of it and until it got made I just was constantly sure someone somewhere was gonna come up with a film about a Ouija board before I got mine made because it just seemed like such a natural idea uh, fortunately, that didn't happen, so I guess it's just kind of timing more than anything. Luck. 
Witchtrap for the fact that it has a lot of action. It's almost like a film noir de detective film mixed with a horror film. So it was kind of fun to uh, experiment with the two genres and s combine them that way. audience response is immediate. Horror film, I can go see it with a paying audience, they don't know who I am, and I get that, I get that stroke without them having to come tell me, because I can listen to them scream and jump and yell, and I know, okay, it's working, they're liking it. So it's just an immediate response. Um, I can go in incognito and still get that rush that I get from having them come up later and tell me they liked it, because they don't have to tell me, I can hear them scream. The horror genre has an audience built in that go to see a horror film simply because it's a horror film, and you don't have that in other genres. Um, even like action, people don't really, I mean, you don't have, the guy next door doesn't go to see an action film just because it's an action film. He goes to see it because it's a Schwarzenegger film or it's an Eastwood film, whereas horror films don't have stars and they don't need them. People don't go to say, oh, let's see the latest, you know, Rambo Schwartz horror film. They just say, hey, let's go see the latest horror film. I don't know, it's really hard to scare me anymore. Um, it always was anyway, but if you, can, if you can create a universe that I buy, and I don't mean you have to stay rooted in reality, but if you create a universe, even in a fantasy, but you make it real, then you can scare me. sequence when um, uh, Sal uh, falls off of the roof and uh, Judy is left hanging and Roger's trying to coach her into climbing down safely. Uh, just a lot of the camera moves and the, the way the mood of that sequence and the sound of their voices outside at night. Um, I like that a lot. Just really nice feel to it.
Plus the stunt when Sal and uh, Angela both go off the roof arm and you know wrapped around each other and fighting and they do a backflip together has never been done before anywhere. So that was like a first for uh, that stunt. It's just funny the way people perceive that what you put on the screen is really you, and uh, which maybe with some people it is. With me, I just like to tell a good story. With environmental issues becoming more and more important every day, the role of the scientist as guardian has become the rule rather than the exception. But what happens when the scientists make mistakes? In the 1958 movie, Fiend Without a Face, an experiment with the materialization of thought goes too far and then becomes combined with an overloading nuclear reactor. The deadly thoughts materialize.
this colorized version of the classic Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the fear of a sleeping nation becomes the threat of an alien invasion. Oh, Becky. They were right. I should never have left you. Stop acting like a fool, Miles, and accept us. No. Never. He's in here! He's in here! I've been afraid a lot of times in my life, but I didn't know the real meaning of fear until, until I had kissed Becky. A moment's sleep and the girl I loved was an inhuman enemy bent on my destruction. That moment's sleep was death to Becky's soul, just as it had been for Jack and Teddy and Dan Kaufman and all the rest. Their bodies were now hosts, harboring an alien form of life, a cosmic form, which to survive must take over every human man. So I ran, I ran. I ran as little Jimmy Grimaldi had run the other day. My only hope was to get away from Santa Mira, to get to the highway, to warn the others of what was happening. When a mysterious milk-white substance is fed to a number of farm animals, they begin to grow at an amazing rate. But the farm animals are not the only ones to taste the food of the gods. You all right?
Jesus. We'll never do it. Won't by sitting here. Come on. Light this thing. We don't have any way to, you know, to deal with that really outside of things like books, movies, some way to, to exercise things like hate and fear and depression, aggression, sadism, masochism. None of them are very pleasant. You can't go out in polite society and push people down in the street. If you do it enough, they put you in jail. So you have to cope with it some other way. Some of the most talented Hollywood has to offer got their start in horror. Oh, my God, don't stop now! And then a look at the subtle atmospheric touch of producer Val Luton and his films Cat People and The Body Snatcher. Jack Nicholson's first role was in The Little Shop of Horrors. My name is Wilberforce. Wilberforce what? Just Wilberforce. My first name is Wilbur. My last name is Force. <laughs> I don't have a middle name. Well, you have an appointment, maybe? No, but you were very highly recommended to me by one of your patients, a Mrs. As Shiva, I do a lot of undertaking for her relatives. <laughs> well, as you can see, I have a customer now, and I'm all booked up for the rest of the day, so you'll have to come back tomorrow. Oh, I couldn't do that. I have three or four abscesses, a touch of pyorrhea, nine or ten cavities, I lost my pivot tooth, and I'm in terrible pain. <laughs> well, I, I can't help you today. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> I'll, I'll just wait outside. <laughs> patient came to me with a large hole in his abdomen <laughs> caused by a fire poker used on him by his wife. <laughs> he almost bled to death and gangrene had set in. I didn't give him much of a chance. There were other complications. <laughs> the man had cancer, tuberculosis, leprosy, and a touch of the grip. <laughs> I decided to operate. My, my patient just left. You, you could come in now. Oh, goody. <laughs> I didn't see the other man leave. Well, he went out the back door. You know, most people don't like to go to the dentist, but I rather enjoy it myself, don't you? <laughs> I mean, there's such... There's a real feeling of growth, of... of <laughs> progress when that, that old drill goes in. I mean... I'd almost rather go to the dentist than anywhere, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> now, no Novocaine. It dulls the senses. <laughs> this is gonna hurt you more than it is me. Oh, goody, goody, here it comes. <laughs> oh, my God, don't stop now! Well, I made a lot of holes, and now I gotta fill it up with this here silver stuff. Well, aren't you gonna pull any? Well, uh... Oh, go on. 
Quite an afternoon. I can truly say I've never enjoyed myself so much. I'll recommend you to all my friends. Thank you. Bye. Robert Englund, known better as Freddy Krueger to his millions of fans, got his start in a cameo appearance in Toby Hooper's follow-up to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Eaten Alive stars an angry alligator. What's he looking at me? What you looking at, hmm? 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 Huh? See something you like? Hmm? Huh? Hey, hey, hey. Is it yours? Hmm? Is it yours? Hmm? 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 Well, this one Savini, affectionately known by his fans as the King of Splatter. Attitude right here. Quiet, please. Uh, that way. <laughs> <laughs> look, up here, look, up here. look at him like he's real hot. Dennis Hopper once proved his love for motorcycles, then for blue velvet. But in Texas Chainsaw 2, he demonstrates his hatred for Leatherface. Now, you're getting as mean as a sting bat seal. No, hell, don't call back. No, don't you call back. I got a business here, and pleasure ain't none of my business. What can I do you for?
singing like that. Oh, I get it. The old pressure game, huh? Boys, you never should have been doing this. Forty years before Nastasia Kinski became famous for her incestuous relationship in the 1982 remake of Cat People, actress Simone Simon was haunted by the fear that she was descended from a race of cat people who turned into death-dealing panthers when they became sexually aroused in Val Luton's classic Cat People. In this film, when another woman tries to steal her husband, Simone becomes angry. And when Simone is angry, people begin to die.
Irina? What? Are you all right? that I did not want to do. But so long as the great Dr. McFarlane jumps to my whistle, that long am I a man. And if I have not that, I have nothing. Then I'm only a cabman and a grave robber. You'll never get rid of me, Toddy. Three years after he made Cat People, Producer Val Lewin adapted Robert Louis Stevenson's horrifying historical tale of the 19th century medical school in The Body Snatcher. Boris Karloff played a grave robber who foolishly blackmails the doctor who purchased his stolen bodies. But with blackmail comes death. Let be, Toddy, let be. I've no wish to hurt you. <laughs> Never get rid of me, 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 never
is. Let's have that light. It's changed. That is, I swear, it's changed. Changed? Changed to what? Hurry with that lamp. This is not a woman. Hold that lamp up. I must see her face. household, 